0: The following program was made possible by Ward's lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca.
1: The following opening sketch was not recorded in front of a fake studio audience of a contrived 1970 sitcom. (laughs) Always look for something positive during a trying time. Again, well, might as well try some new recipes. Let's hope this doesn't turn out to be a recipe for disaster. Two teaspoons of this. A cup of that. Mix it together. Hmm. I guess just a bit more speed. Oh, okay, maybe I need something more powerful. Oh, what am I going to... Oh, hang on! I think I have an idea. Hey, Nance, dinner's ready. Wow, you must have
0: been cooking for hours. Why, you've created almost as many dishes as there are townships in the former Victoria County before amalgamation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks. Well, let's sit down to eat. Sure thing.
0: Right after I put this uh, newspaper in the recycling. No,
1: no, no, wait, don't, don't do that, don't, wait.
0: Well, look what I found in the recycling. Takeout containers for Smitty's Restaurant, the Olympia Restaurant, Neighbors Restaurant, the Cat and Fiddle, McHale's Bakery, boiling over a coffee vault. Denis, is there anything you'd like to say?
1: Um, shop local? (laughs) Totally understandable if you've been going the takeout route a bit more lately. We encourage it. My name is Denny Grignel, and this is the Advocate Podcast. Stories from at the Lakes. We'll keep you company by telling you what's going on outside our respective four walls. And hey, vaccine, vaccine, vaccine means hope, hope, hope. Haley Wallace got her first shot recently and it was special. She tells us about that unique experience, which may just make you tear up. COVID has been a challenge for renters and landlords alike, and it's had an impact on how evictions can be carried out. Lawyer Jason Ward joins us to explain those new and seemingly ever-changing rules. If you have a son or daughter in post-secondary right now, well, there's a good chance they're attending classes from their Wi-Fi friendly bedroom in your home. Or maybe they are on campus, but but why? Well, one local university student tells us why he and some of his peers chose this route. You know, there were so many great local purveyors of food that we could have mentioned in that hilarious opening sketch. St. Dave's, Just for the Halibut, Tangles, Tony's, oh, too many to mention. Oh, and, uh, and this place.
2: I'm well, yourself? So we got Fresh Fuel at this back end. That
3: is Liana
1: and Luis Segura, owners of Fresh Fuel. You you know the place on Kent Street. Cozy, a real independent family-run feel to it with Luis and Liana on site making healthy wraps and salads and tacos, sometimes other family members helping out. It's a real success story since the Segura's launched about four years ago.
2: Um, Everything the Fresh Fuel offered back downtown is still all up and running here
1: but hold the mayo for a second. They've moved?
2: Yeah, the new addition is uh, Northward Coffee Co.
1: Yep. Fresh fuel moved earlier this week from downtown Lindsay to Angeline Street North. Huh. A big, bold move to a bigger location and the addition of a coffee bar during a time like this at first might seem, let's call it, ambitious for any restaurant, any business right now. But for Leanna and Luis...
3: I felt it was like the right time to do it. Like we knew that COVID wasn't going away. We knew that reconstruction was happening downtown. So we just wanted to, at that point, branch out.
1: Because a lot of businesses kind of retreated into their turtle shell
2: and went, "Ah,"
1: and and yet here you're, it's almost in defiance of that whole thing. Yeah,
2: it's just, uh, (laughs) I think a lot of it is just uh, learning to adapt after the first lockdown and lifts were taken off again, we didn't even bother doing the sit-in because we just felt like, you know what, the take all model works for us. Um, and it, and it helped, you know, we, we had less hours or whatever, but it helped, uh, just keep people in, you know, um, our customers happy and, and that we were able to, to provide what they wanted. So now with this, it's the same type of thing, we just want to, you know, like like Lana said, with the reconstruction happening on Kent street, we would have probably faced even more, uh, you know, financial business stress if we had stayed Mm -hmm. then move up here now we have a you know this location we have you know parking lot uh you know our own parking so you customers can come in and out without having to worry about where they're going to park how they're going to get to us and we can provide more now with the coffee uh the coffee available as well so i'm sure there was a time when the two of you sat with a, a sheet of paper
1: going pros and cons (laughs) <laughs> Give, given the no, time we're in not okay. no okay yeah. well, I, well
3: I tell liter- me what the- I literally said Lewis I think we're gonna open up I want to go said, see this lo- okay yeah I want to go <laughs> see this location on the Angeline let's bring fresh fuel up there within a month yeah, everything yeah, yeah. was signed and we were ready to on go on our way so yeah. how
1: much did everything that's going on weigh in that decision honestly no. like
3: uh, like it like uh, the reconstruction COVID was like a factor but I I'm an entrepreneur at heart and that so I, we had reached our five-year like anniversary this year, and I was just wanting to grow.
2: Yeah, Amigo's uh, street tacos is going to be located out of here as well, so we're going to have the taco truck. It can be done, right? It's just you just got to learn to, to you know, utilize like the internet, utilize social media, and I feel like our town uh, you know wants flavors, wants options, and with COVID, like people want it local. And, and why not support local and, and, and keep things local?
1: So I'm just wondering, is there anything that you were able to learn about this move and doing this move that COVID taught you that maybe you would not have learned otherwise?
2: I feel like, like for us personally, even just in our home, you know, our, our family, I feel like we've gotten closer over this. We have four children at home who have been at home. And uh, I mean, they're like, I see them and they're like the best of friends. Now You know what I mean? Like, they were great yeah. friends, but they've just gotten so much closer. And I feel like even within our community, we've all gotten closer because we're stuck, in a, in a sense. But I think it's given people, like, more of a reason to shop local and stay local. You get mm-hmm. to see things like, oh, I didn't even realize this was here. I didn't even know that you could do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So things like that, I, feel, I think, are just going to make our, you know, local economy and local community, like, stronger.
3: stronger. It says a lot about our community. Like, we have a really strong community a lot of like great friends like you know our, but we it love about you that's what I'm uh, curious oh. what does it say
1: about you that, um, you, that, you that there's just it? always
3: a silver lining like I, I just I can't dwell I can't I'm not a negative person I can't sit there and be upset I just have to find ways to adapt and everybody's been responsive to how we've been adapting yeah. the best we can mm. and, yeah just staying positive
2: we don't really you know dwell on the risks or anything it's like we'll find a way like you just you just it's gotta move forward, right? Like you know, what I mean, like we, we'll find a way. Like that's just our I think that's just our our essence. It's like we'll, we'll it there's out. always a way, always and there's always a way to adapt and grow, and and we'll find it.
1: Uh, this is from your website, um, from both of you. Family is what fuels us every day. We aim to be great parents, children, siblings, friends, and good people in our community. Nothing in here. You're not mentioning. Hey, you know, we wanna we wanna have a thriving business where we can, you know. Uh, <laughs> Be, be successful. This, it, it's mm-hmm. you don't even mention the business. There, that, that is
3: you, our cornerstone of everything we do. Absolutely. Our four children are what drives us to succeed. That's they're the ones that we want to grow for because we want to leave something for them and mm-hmm. want them to be a part of something in our community.
2: Without them, without family, like we, none of this would be worth it.
1: No, nope. you're a little choked up right now. Uh, sure. I always do. Yeah. do. i my kids. Though. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> big time. Uh, mis palabras son pesadas bien pensada. This is
1: Luis Segura's other passion, Latin hip hop band Los Puetas. With Solancios.
2: Te damos mala cara, traga bala, desaparece, habrá cadabra, magia negra, la noche es larga, el día es corto, confío y hambre, ya no soporto, pasame el corvo me vuelo un coco, me poco loco, como coloco, visto en un bolsillo roto, esto no es de choto, buscate otro maje, que acepte el paisaje, pinto con colores puro, brillantes, somos gigantes, rough diamantes, watch me fantes, rota lento, poeta el alfabeto es mi instrumento. Y esto a veces siento que es lo único que tengo La esperanza del pobre Dime que, que no descansa descanse, que Siguiendo mi acabado. infancia Dime
4: Tiras al agua. Yeah, must be something in the water. Kill them slowly, feel like an order. Highest price for the slaughter. Yeah, if you gotta ask, you can't afford it. Asesinos no son pobres. Punto rojo, soy yo forehead. Uh, I said too much already, hold it. La última palabra va a ser mía, ni la toques. Listen to the poets, the message in the chorus. Noches largas, salpicadas.
2: My name is Luis,
3: my name is Leanna,
2: and we're Fresh Fuel and Northward Coffee Co., and you're listening to
3: The Advocate, Advocate. Podcast,
2: stories from Kwertha Lakes. Al
3: agua. Silencios.
1: Silencios by hip-hop band Las Puertas, featuring Luis Segura. You can purchase Las Puertas music and some other Las Puertas stuff at Fresh Fuel's new location on Angeline Street North. The restaurant and new coffee bar is Luis's other passion. You are listening to the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes, part of the Advocate magazine, and 100% local media. Now, one thing that is exclusive to the podcast...
5: Well-defined.
1: Defined. well Well-defined. What does that mean, anyway? Well-defined. This is where we seek to improvify your language. Come on, you caught that fake word, right? Lindsay Bowen of course, at the Lakes Public Library is all about introducing us to real and relevant words, real words that you may not have previously known. I met with Lindsay outside the library in Lindsay. Now, before we get to that well-defined word, well, there's always something happening at the library.
4: So we've got two different activities for children that are available to pick up at all branches. Um, the Get Ready to Read pack are early literacy focused and they're for sort of preschool age, kindergarten age kids and uh, Maker packs we've actually partnered with Ping Gwok to provide these ones which is very cool. Um, they highlight uh, steam related activities and they're also available for pickup and they're more school-aged. Um, so these kits are available first come first serve. It's uh, Some of them are already gone at some of our branches. They've been very popular so that's very exciting.
1: I do know that when you say STEAM, you're not referring to steam engines or uh, steam coming out of a kettle. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on what the STEAM part is.
4: Absolutely, so STEAM is an acronym. It stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Mathematics. It's a big buzzword in the schools. so we're just hoping to support that and support the students and uh, their learning. All branches are still open for pickup service. You can find the hours at our, on our website and uh, you can just come and grab either the preschool or the school age kits and uh, take them home to enjoy with your family.
0: Okay,
1: well, I'm curious to know what our well-defined entry will be. And I know this there's a bit of deja vu here. We've, we've been through this before, the curbside and the shutdowns, but with a little bit more hope, hopefully. So what do you have for us in our well-defined uh, category?
4: Well, as you mentioned, Anique, uh, COVID-19 still continues to be a big part of our lives and I'm sure that everyone is missing friends and family a bit right now, especially after the holiday season. And I'm sure you could agree with that. Um, so the deseratum of many people, including yourself, is to see family and friends.
1: The deseratum?
4: The deseratum. So that's defined as something that is needed, wanted or desired.
1: I thought that would have been uh, a spice in on my spice rack in the kitchen. I have to ask you, what did you honestly think that word was going to be initially?
4: You know what? Now that sounds like a great idea. I like a spice. It sounds like um, there's another spice that sounds like that too. Um, I thought it was like making a decision or something like that, but uh, definitely we're a little bit off. I guess you could decide that you want or need to see friends or family. So hey, maybe I was a little bit closer than a spice. Desert Autumn, you got it.
6: My name is Jason Ward of Ward's Lawyers in Lindsay, your official sponsor of The Advocate Podcast. Stories from Kawartha Lakes.
1: And coming up, my conversation with Jason Ward, masked and at opposite ends of a long boardroom table at the Ward's offices on Kent Street. Renters and landlords especially, you'll want to settle in for this one. Nervous. That's one word that describes what renters and landlords have been feeling since all of this started last spring. Tenants, many of whom found themselves unemployed, worried about making rent. Landlords not being able to collect rent and therefore possibly not able to make their mortgage payments on the rental property. The Ontario government has issued a freeze on rental rates for 2021, but that can do little to stem the tide of evictions, or at least the threat of evictions. So what does this unique time mean for renters and landlords? What laws exist to protect both parties in this unique time? Jason Ward is co-owner of Ward's Lawyers. He joins me to help us wade through some of this. Uh, Jason, once again, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing all of this. Thanks for having me. In terms of the law and how it's administered and upheld, how has the past nine months affected these relationships today? Effectively, the, the, the pandemic has...
6: To a certain extent, suspended our law for a period of time, approximately eight months. The Ontario government came in and, of course, put a moratorium on residential evictions, which ended in September. Uh, So we're back on track to the state of the law prior to the pandemic in terms of evictions. But there have been some um, more subtle changes in the law of residential tenancies that tenants, tenants should be aware of. Uh, including the uh, ability of a landlord now to obtain an eviction order without technically notifying
1: the tenant of, of, of the landlord's intention to do so. So what do you mean? They just kind of show up and say, surprise, I want you out tomorrow, or?
6: Yeah, h- historically, the... the the residential tenancy legislation in Ontario has been focused on notice to the tenant. If the landlord's going to take some remediative action like an eviction or some other action, the legislation requires the tenant to be notified of all steps and to be given a fair opportunity to um, respond to what the landlord was doing. Now, with a with a recent change in the legislation in Ontario, uh, if a la- if a tenant goes into default in rent and there's an agreement with the landlord, for a rent to be repaid on a certain
1: rental schedule, a payment schedule. You mean deferred? In other words, in layman terms, I can't afford this now. That's right. But, but can we set up a payment plan so I can pay you later? Is that what you're saying?
6: That's right. Um, so the government has introduced that possibility, which, which always existed, but now it's legislated. And if that is entered and the tenant defaults on that agreement, the landlord now has the ability to get an eviction order without notice to the tenant. So the key for tenants, residential tenants to be aware of is that if you do agree to an arrangement with your landlord, like a rental repayment agreement, which avoids an eviction order or an eviction process that would normally uh, be the case, be very careful not to default or breach that agreement because you could find yourself uh, sterile, staring down the, of, uh, the, the uh, gun of an eviction order um, without any notice to you. Locally, there was not, in my opinion, a surge of residential evictions uh, when the, the moratorium was lifted by the Ontario government. In, in my view, um, business started to carry on more as usual. You know, at the end of the day, my advice to many clients is, is the test right now is reasonableness. So the court or an adjudicator is going to look at an equity reasoning approach. Um, the hard letter of the law may not be applied in the circumstances. Um, adjudicators may give certain concessions to tenants, particularly if they've experienced financial hardship due to the pandemic. So that, really, from my perspective as, as a lawyer who practices in this area is both parties need to continue to attempt to be reasonable and attempt to resolve the issue without escalating it to adjudication. I can say that the, the level of frustration is high amongst commercial landlords as well. Um, there, is, there, there has been more activity in terms of commercial landlords shutting down the relationship because they're not getting rent. Uh, they're not governed by the same protective legislation as residential tenants and landlords uh, up until the federal government changed the rent subsidy program. Really, it was an ineffective program because the landlord had the onus of initiating the rental subsidy plan with the tenant and, and many landlords elected not to do it. Why is that? Uh, they 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 chose to either evict the tenant and replace a tenant or maybe improve the property or take the opportunity to improve the property. Um, but, but in my experience, probably the preponderance of landlords um, in the area um, did not necessarily consider the rental subsidy as part of their remedial measures. The Ontario government basically suspended the law uh, for a period of time, took the usual rules and regulations and said, we're setting those aside for now. These are the new rules. Um, and in fact, um, with, with the rental, uh, the freeze on rental rates, those new, those new rules are continuing in effect, even though evictions, the moratorium on evictions has been lifted
1: to the layman. Like myself, it would seem like it's a wild west at that point. Like, you know, does anything go? So what position did that put you and other lawyers in?
6: Well, I mean, the level of frustration typically with landlords, residential landlords increased exponentially because of the suspension, because really they were lockstepped into not being able to do very much of anything with a, tenant, a residential tenant who didn't pay the rent for whatever reason, whether it was pandemic related or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I expect some tenants likely try to take advantage of the, cir- the circumstances and situation, much like I expect some landlords, particularly the commercial ones, uh, maybe took advantage of the situation and didn't follow what the spirit and the intention of the federal government was in introducing all these remedial programs and, and suspending the legislation as they did.
1: So essentially you have tenants saying, you know what, nah, I don't feel like paying rent right now. And you've got landlords saying, eh, you know what, I've been wanting that tenant out for a while. This is my, this is my impetus to, to get them out. Yeah, human nature will always pervade,
6: uh, no matter and notwithstanding what the law says. And there's, all, there's always moral hazard involved with the law that, you know, the law, the intention of, of the people that the law is intending to protect doesn't necessarily reach those people. And some people abuse it.
1: What do you see for the future of that relationship between landlords and tenants and evictions, let's say, a year from now?
6: I see the law catching up. I think things are going to stabilize. Uh, the law of residential tenancies is more or less stable at this point in time. Um, there are some subtle changes being brought in to make the process more efficient, to try to limit the amount of adjudication that has to happen between landlords and tenants because it's an, it's it's quite a substantial drain of resources on on us as taxpayers in the Ontario government to have to adjudicate all these disputes with a landlord tri, uh, landlord tribunal. So I think the government's intention is to take steps to try to minimize the resources necessary to try to regulate those relationships. And then commercially, uh, I think the law, the courts are gonna catch up to what landlords have been doing up, up to this point. So those landlords that have acted unreasonably, have refused to seek the rental subsidy, have instead chosen to evict for their own reasons, I think the law will catch up to them over the course of the next 12 months.
1: You can also read Jason Ward's blog on this topic and many others via his firm's website, wardlegal.ca. Post-secondary life during a pandemic sure is different now, don't you think? No frosh weeks, no res parties, or hanging out in person with a bunch of new friends from all across the country and around the world, really all suspended and replaced essentially by a screen and a mouse and an internet connection as students are online. Still, some post-secondary students this year chose not to study from home, but to actually move and live on campus in residence. How's that working out for them? And why would they even want to find out? I am joined by a post-secondary student who's going to help address some of these questions. Full disclosure, Jonah Grigno and I are related. You probably recognize the last name there. Jonah is home for about another week before he heads back to Carleton University in Ottawa. Uh, Well, Jonah, thanks for uh, coming upstairs. Uh, You know, it was a very short trip. I was happy to do it. Okay, now I know uh, we're going to hear from some of your fellow on-campus students, not your online students, but the people who are actually living on campus. But why don't you tell us why you chose to live on campus and do what many would argue you know you could have just done at home. I think overall I just felt I owed it to myself to
5: to go out to have some new experiences. I took a gap year before going to university so I was starting a year late. I gave it a lot of thought and if I wanted to go and learn when I I realized I wanted to go and have that university experience I realized I wanted to have the full thing or as much as I could. And I didn't feel that doing my learning in a place I was already so familiar with would be that full experience to me. So describe to me the atmosphere on campus. It can feel very different from time to time. Uh, Often it, it feels quite hollow and it feels quite empty. When you have maybe one third of the people living on campus that you normally would, these big courtyards and buildings and halls can... Just feel kind of desolate without any people there. That being said, I think there's also an interesting mix of paranoia and relaxation, which it seems strange that those two things could coexist so much. But when you realize this combination of paranoia around COVID and COVID restrictions and realizing that we are still in the thick of a pandemic, coupled with this relaxation and, dare I say, maybe a bit of a laissez faire attitude that comes along with doing your learning online and doing everything very casually from your own room. It's an interesting dynamic that I think we all feel. We're all very laid back when we're in our own rooms and when we're talking to our friends, but when we're out in public, we'll all go immediately into that defense mode. My roommates and I understood that to be living together, we would have to be in a bubble and we would have to all be responsible. I think that as far as on-campus social interaction goes, It would be hard for us to be any less careful than that, just given all the rules that the university has put in place. You know, we're we're not to be visiting people even outside of our own floor, on our own building. So um, I think we all feel very safe. In a way, I it's like I moved from one household to another. Then <laughs> this other household being up on the seventh floor of my residence building with these other three guys who I had never met before. Come September.
1: Mm-hmm. So, what are other people's experiences at the university? People that you are able to talk to, even though they're you're not living with them, you know, socially distanced and everything. What's their reaction? My good friend Karina really echoed this feeling that I've been having
5: for quite some time, which is that. When you're looking to have those social experiences that you expect at university, you've really got to be deliberate and seek them out yourself. A
0: lot of people I have met is just like through randomly messaging people on Instagram and like, oh, they're in this program, like, I'm going to text them. And um, through doing that and just like being super intentional and putting myself out there, I've been able to meet a lot of people and I've built like a good community of friends. Um, But I think this year, especially, you kind of have to be like intentional to put yourself out there.
1: I heard Karina use the word intentional a couple of times there. It sounds like that's part of the new language that you really you have to make an even bigger effort now to meet people and kind of meet them in a socially distanced kind of way. Does that does that make sense? Absolutely. I think if you're looking to have anything even close to what you might have expected in terms
5: of the university social experience, you have to have the intention of doing that and you have to deliberately seek that out you have to know it's not just going to come to you naturally
1: so what happens then jonah do you you know connect with people online and then say oh okay you're living on campus too let's go out for a a walk where we're a hockey stick length away from each other is that
5: is that what happens that's just about exactly it honestly i think that when you meet somebody who is living on campus when you meet somebody who you think you might get along with well um you're no longer going to just sort of expect that maybe you'll come across that person sometime and you'll end up getting coffee. You've got to really get that person's phone number and say, hey, do you want to go do something together? This may sound harsh, um, this may sound bleak, but friends are no longer going to come to you naturally. You're going to have to find those friends yourself. And I think once you start putting yourself out there and you make that effort, you're going to realize that other people are looking for the exact same thing as you. And other people who live on campus are looking for friends just in the same way that you are.
1: Where's Karina from? Guelph. From Guelph, okay. So she's at least in province so that if this was not a great experience for her, you know, she's not that far from home and she's within the province. So it's, it's, you know, she's got that, I guess, in her back pocket. That's
5: true. Although that's not necessarily going to be the case for everyone. I mean, my friend Everett, for instance, is from the other end of the country. Uh, When I talked to him, we were in the residence commons. And I should say apologies in advance for that buzzing phone in the background.
1: I was definitely a little anxious at first upon arriving here since things were originally quite tamer in BC um, compared to here in Ontario.
2: Um, However my expectations were certainly exceeded considering the um, extremity of the situation here. Um, I
1: think the university is doing as good a job as it can to um, maintain its services, the services that are safe to maintain.
5: You know, I find it kind of funny that he described himself as being anxious because that's about the last thing I would describe Everett as.
1: Oh, really kind of cool, collected kind of guy?
5: Absolutely. I mean, I think he's settled into this experience a lot better than probably most people have.
1: You have done some online lessons here at home as well. I remember during Thanksgiving, you had to do a couple of classes before you went back to campus. How does doing that online learning at home compare to doing it? on campus when you're back in ottawa it's certainly
5: not without its challenges at a glance it seems like it would be something that's very easy to do all you really need for it is your computer and a wi-fi connection so it really shouldn't be any different doing it in a dorm room in ottawa than it should be doing it here in my basement bedroom in lindsay that was what i told myself when i was here for thanksgiving over the first week i thought man this is great i'm doing the exact same thing i'm adjusting to this perfectly Then by Friday of that week, I realized I had completely forgotten about one of my quizzes for one of my classes, just because I was distracted by everything else that was going on. Everything
1: um, at at your regular home. Exactly. So I
5: think that made me realize that even though it's certainly possible in my room at Carlton, I see that as my workspace. I think that it's hard to fully be in the university headspace when I'm not at the university. That may just be me because I know a lot of people have chosen to do their classes completely from home and haven't even stepped foot on campus this year. I think overall, when it comes to online learning, everything to do with your efficiency and your enjoyment of it is just going to come down to the attitude you have towards it. Here's my friend Kyle. I actually love the online learning experience. Um, For me, at least, it works really well. Uh, I actually don't take any notes in class. Um, so the ability to go back and rewatch watch lectures um, and have, because most of my tests have been open book, I'm able to go back and look over videos, look over my notes during the quizzes, which is fantastic. And I that's actually. not something you would have been able to do if it was in person, right? Yeah, if it was in person, I wouldn't have been able to record yeah. them and I would have had to take my own notes, whereas now I actually just have the textbook in front mm-hmm. of me and I can flip through it when I need to look things yeah. up. I don't know about you, I think, I find for me it's enabled me to be a little bit lazier with some of my note-taking because I can always know that, well, you know, if I miss something in this lecture, I can just go back and take a note on it whenever I want to.
3: Oh,
1: 100%. I kind of like the way he makes <laughs> laziness sound productive because he's he's making it work for him, but a real positive attitude there too, right? Laziness has been a bit of a boon
5: for us this year. It's not impossible to be lazy and proactive at the same time. And productive,
1: it seems. Exactly. I know you're headed back uh, and, you know, you've, you've mentioned that you're looking forward to it. Um, what about other people? You know, what how, how are they feeling about this uh, the next semester? Obviously, I can't speak for everybody. Um, I think
5: a lot of people like me are just happy to be getting a new experience and happy, happy to be living in a different city. That being said, uh, I know a lot of people have actually... Opted to go home for the next semester, whether they're dropping classes or whether they'll be uh, doing those classes from home. One thing that's been very hard for the university has been leadership roles. Uh, people in leadership roles, like the the RFS or
1: residence fellows, as we would call them. Those are the people on your floor who are kind of uh, that's right so mentors the, or the
5: coordinators, um, the, the the people who you would go to for help. I know uh, on the floor that I live on, we've already lost both of ours as of the end of the first semester. It's understandable. There's a lot of frustration if you're in those roles right now. It's a leadership role, but you're not really going to be doing a whole lot of leading. I don't think they're overburdened with work. I think it's quite the opposite. And people in these roles that might have been once deemed really essential are just not getting a chance to do the work they really want to do. You know, one thing that in a strange sort of way i'm actually quite grateful for is that because this is my first year as disappointing as some aspects of it have been and still are i don't have anything to compare it to so it's not like i could look back and think about how much worse this
1: year is compared to my previous years because i don't have any previous years hmm. all right well let's hope that this conversation is much different uh, one year from now thanks jonah yeah, fingers crossed thank you <laughs> Happy New Year. I'm Jamie Morris with The Advocate magazine. In my January column, you'll meet Robinson Arume, who's completing the Ecosystem Management Technology program at Fleming College. Robinson's the only fellow I know who can distinguish among species of pangolins or tell you how to use chili peppers to deter elephants. He's from Cameroon, where he was a park ranger and founded a rainforest conservation society. Forced to flee a brutal dictatorship and leave behind wife and children while he establishes himself in Canada, Robinson has faced as many challenges with energy, determination, and an optimistic spirit. Spoiler alert, everything is working out, and he's taken to the Quarthas like a mallard to icy Skugog waters. That's in the January issue of The Advocate magazine, available at Lamentia's, Country Market in Lindsay, and Foodland in Kobachank. Thanks for telling your friends about us and also for following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Now, whether you're listening to us right now on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or through lindsayadvocate.ca, you're doing it for free, courtesy of our official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. If you need a lawyer, they've got you covered. Find out what they can do for you at wardlegal.ca. Yeah, I know it can be exhausting, especially the second time around and even bleak. No need to describe or name it. But also, there's some promise now. This will be a vaccine like no other. Have you, like me, wondered what that experience will be like when we finally roll up our sleeve? Haley Wallace knows. Haley is from Lindsay, but living in Hamilton. She's there in her fourth year at McMaster University, and she's also working part-time as a front desk screener and part of the cleaning crew in a long-term care facility there. Okay, Haley, describe to us your reaction when you learned your role put you at the front of the line for this vaccine.
0: Pure excitement. Like, as soon as I saw the sign-up sheets, and then I saw people writing their name on it, and I knew, like, We've gone through so much, especially like the actual nurses and PSWs. I've only been working there since beginning of August, but for everyone who's been there for the whole time, like we're we're so tired of all these extra precautions, the constantly changing rules. I we get weekly email updates, and I, I swear that every week something is changed, and we have to remember. Oh, like this person can have more than one visitor now, but. I don't know, it's just, there's so much constantly changing, right? When the sign-up sheets showed up and people started writing their names down, it was just clear that everyone was willing to take this step to move on from what we've all been going through.
1: Take me to that moment when you're when you're seated in the chair and they mm-hmm. say, okay, Haley, roll up your sleeve.
0: <laughs> Here, I'll take you to a bit before that moment. Sure. Um, because the actual process itself was so streamlined. I was... Um, really amazed at how well it was done. So I walk into the vaccine clinic. First you get screened, just to make sure you don't have any symptoms. And then they sign you in and they know who's supposed to be there and who's not, because all the employers send a list of who to expect on each day at each time. So they figured out I was supposed to be there. Sigh of relief. Was there a sense um, and when you I- say
1: sigh of relief, was there a sense that, oh my gosh, what if my name's not on that list?
0: I mean, I I don't know what I would have done, (laughs) especially because on my, the consent form that I signed, I put down my home address as my Lindsay address because that's the one on my health card. And I wasn't sure if they would see that and think, what are you doing here? So, but it was just in the back of my mind. Oh, this could happen. (laughs) But yeah, signed in without a problem uh walked down to a little waiting area and i think i sat down for maybe a minute before someone came and moved me over to uh the actual
1: chair where i got the vaccine i just wonder what that, how long <laughs> that walk felt
0: uh well there were three of us who were sitting in that waiting area who were all led and and we were all walking in the single file line and then one person went to this chair one person went to, th- and i was the last person <laughs> and it was just this I've never been in this space before. It's just this really exciting moment. And I'm just thinking, how far do I need to walk? How much longer? Like, um, but yeah, it was, it was just really... Um, <laughs> I've never been so excited to walk into a room and get a needle before, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, sitting there and then actually getting it done. The nurse that I had was lovely. She, like, I didn't even feel it go in. And I've never had that before. So I don't know if she was just incredibly good at her job or if this needle is just magical. <laughs> but I did not feel it. Like, I didn't feel the needle go in. I didn't feel anything in my arm. It was just, I sat down. She finished filling out the form. She put the needle. It was done. She put a Band-Aid on it. Like, it took maybe a minute.
1: Hmm. You wonder if your excitement just helped numb any minor pain that might have come with it. In the, uh... Maybe,
0: Um, My my favorite part of that moment actually was when she said, oh, and feel free to take any photos you want. People have been taking photos like with the needle in their arm. And I think that that really shows just how excited everyone is, because this is a big room of healthcare workers who are all just so excited. You can you could feel the energy in the room that people were so excited.
1: How did they display Uh, that? Like generally when I get a, a, a needle, I'm in you know, there's a, hi, how are you? Here's a needle, sit down, have a cookie, wait 15 minutes. Tell me about that (laughs) mood being in that room there.
0: I mean, even walking in, um, the man who led us all to our, our different little like chairs where we got the vaccine, he was super excited, super friendly. You know, he's like, Oh, how, how long have you all been waiting? Like, are you excited? Are you nervous? What are, what are you feeling? Um, and luckily the three of us who Like, the the two other ladies I was walking with, we were all pretty excited. But also his energy, he was just so excited, clearly happy to be there. And then all of the nurses as well that I saw, like, everyone was smiling. It was New Year's Eve, too. So, like, these people were working on New Year's Eve, giving needles, incredibly happy to be there. Um, And just everyone, there were so many cameras out. (laughs) I've never seen so many people with cameras out in, like, a hospital-ish setting. So... It was just really great to see how happy like people were taking selfies. I didn't take a selfie during it, but I, I was updating all of my social media followers on Instagram the whole time. <laughs> so I have uh, I have some friends who are in nursing who were really excited that someone they knew was getting it, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. you could just feel the excitement. There were so many smiles, like even though we were all wearing masks, like you can you can tell when someone's smiling, you can see it in their eyes. Beaming. Oh, my gosh. It was it was great for a lot of people. I think I'm the first person they know because it's not like it's very widespread right now Mm -hmm. that like people have the vaccine.
1: Well, let me ask you that. You're the first person mm -hmm. I know this closely. What's what's it like being part of that exclusive tiny group at this point? One of the first.
0: I feel incredibly lucky, especially because with this semester being online, like I didn't need to stay in Hamilton, but I did because i got this part-time job <laughs> so if i hadn't decided to get this job i wouldn't have gotten this vaccine yeah. so i feel like it, it's one of those things where like i don't know if i believe in fate but clearly everything is connected in some way you know
1: how does your job now compare to what it was like before you had the vaccine walking in and out of those those rooms and, and consorting with you know your coworkers and, and residents now that you have the vaccine has it changed?
0: A little bit, yeah. Because right now, um, I'm even one of the first staff members in the building who got it. So I'll have staff who walk in who know that my name was on the sign-up sheet, and they'll say, how was it? How did it go? So it's it's, it's been really interesting, like, talking to everyone and asking, like, is, is anyone worried about it? Who hasn't signed up yet? Like, why haven't they signed up? And most people really want to get it, but they didn't want to be the first to get it. So it makes me feel really special that now that people know that I've gotten it and I'm fine, that they're going to be more likely to sign up and get their vaccine.
1: Like you said, you're you're in school full time. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could have bailed on this job when things got oh, yeah. really bad, and you you could have just said, you know what, later. You know, I've I've got bigger things to do right now, um, so I'm I'm going to bail. What kept you there?
0: I really like the residents. Like, I've never been in a long-term care facility until I got this job. So it was a really shocking experience to see what life is like. I'm lucky to work in a very good facility. No issues with anything that's been in the news lately. But even still, it's it's still a, a really crazy experience to walk in there and think, wow, like, once I get old, I might live in a facility like this. And I just have to cross my fingers and hope that I'm in like a really good facility as well. And there's this one lady, like whenever I wipe off her doorknob, she says, thank you, sweetheart. And it just makes me feel so happy.
1: Haley Wallace making us choke up a little bit as she describes getting that very special needle. Our theme and musical bridges are written and performed by Gerald Van Halteren, except for those clunky bass lines you heard in that opening sketch. Um, that was that was me dusting off my old Echo Bass. And, and trust me, I I know I ain't no bass player. I am, however, the producer of this show. I got some help this week by my fellow bubble dwellers, advocate associate editor Nancy Payne, and contributor Jonah Gringell. The advocate podcast stories from Corth Lakes is made possible by the generous contribution and support of Ward's lawyers. If you need a lawyer, well, they've got you covered reach out to Carissa or Jason Ward or any of their team at wardlegal.ca. My name is Denis Grignel reminding you that we've been through this before, neighbors, and let's work together to do it again. Talk to you in a couple of weeks.